anyways, thank you everyone for coming to How to Calm Your Mind, an Overthinker's Guide to Peace. And again, I made slides this time, so that's pretty cool. <clears throat> I have a little bit of a cough. Last night, I was like, I think I'm getting sick. So if I cough, it happens. All right, a little bit about me. I'm Lily. I help overthinkers find peace, communicate with confidence, and build supportive relationships. I hold my master's in social work. I've previously worked as a therapist, a personal trainer, trauma-sensitive yoga instructor, and several other things in the course of my life. Um, I really love working with people when it comes to grief and relationships and doing inner child work. That is my absolute favorite thing to do with clients. So let's talk about overthinking. That's why you're here today. So when we think about, think about overthinking, it's that persistent, excessive thoughts that hinder your well-being. So maybe it manifests as worry. You have this like, you know, analysis paralysis, this rumination where you find yourself trying to, you know, maybe assess through like every possible outcome of a situation or, you know, if I say this to them, they're going to say that. And you start to really just live in your head. And if you're someone who overthinks, you know you overthink because you're probably thinking about how much you're thinking, right? You're just going over, over every detail. You're constantly ruminating. Maybe you have loops of thoughts that come often um, of like past experiences, wishing you had done things differently, or they could be more kind of worrying about the future. Like, well, how am I going to approach this? What am I going to say? How is this presentation going to go with my boss? How am I going to tell my spouse this? And it's like this constant um, chatter in your brain. And that little voice can tend to be pretty critical. So why is it important to talk about overthinking? Well, a couple of reasons. One, it impacts your health. So mentally, you may experience anxiety, indecision, rumination. Um, emotionally, you may have this like feeling of fear and negativity. And again, that feeling of anxiety and overwhelm. Physically, it can cause tension, maybe in your neck, your muscles, insomnia, you're up at night thinking about things, um, gut issues. So overthinking can impact your health. It also impacts our relationships. So overthinking messes up communication. A couple of reasons. One is when we overthink things, we tend to assume we know what someone is going to say or do. So we might quit asking. Or when it comes to communication, we might have a hard time getting the words out, like feeling like the words are stuck in your throat or it's this jumble of mess in your head and you can't quite figure out how to say something, so you say nothing. It can also um, come up as withdrawal during conflict when you're unsure of yourself and you're unsure of how to share your needs and how to share your desires and how to ask for those needs to be met. You might find yourself kind of withdrawing or never expressing what you need to express. It can create trust issues in a relationship. If you are, you know, kind of thinking through what if scenarios, um, you know, maybe you have an idea that, well, maybe my spouse is lying to me about something or cheating on me or something, but you start to create stories in your head when you have this kind of um, way of just naturally like overthinking everything, right? Like we can start to spin some stories in our head. It can impair emotional intimacy. It can increase feelings of loneliness. Because again, when you're stuck in your head, you're likely living in the past or the future and not the present moment. 
and difficulty forming and maintaining long-term connections. It can also impact your career. If you're someone who overthinks, you might have um, decreased productivity, you might have difficulty concentrating. And when it comes to decision-making, you can really struggle with that, right? Like there's a lot of indecision when we're constantly running through like every scenario. And I'm trying to remember who said this quote, but I love it. Um, more is lost in indecision than wrong decision. And that's something the first time I heard it, I was like, I need to remember that because it's true, right? Like more is lost when we don't decide, when we don't move forward, when we don't do something than when we do the wrong thing. So overthinking can lead to anxiety. And I think anxiety is one of those topics that it's, it's kind of trending in today's society. Everyone has anxiety. And I want to reframe that for you if you're someone you feel like, oh, yeah, I, I have anxiety. You don't have anxiety. You experience anxiety, right? Because when we have something, we're taking this ownership of it and making it a part of our identity. And I don't want you to make anxiety a part of your identity because it's not helping you and it doesn't have to be. So anxiety is really the stimulus of overwhelm. It's that feeling, that emotion, that experience of overwhelm that we then attach story to so it starts to loop in our head. So it's okay to feel overwhelmed, that's normal. It's like feeling anxious, that's a normal human experience to feel anxious. It's when we start, you know, kind of again, spinning that story and, you know, looking at the reason and the meaning, we start looping. That's when we have this feeling and this experience of anxiety that kind of sits with us more long-term. So an emotion in your body, it really lasts about 90 seconds. If you were to just feel something and kind of go through And if the emotion is lasting longer, it's because there's some story attached to it. We're putting meaning to what we're feeling. So you don't have anxiety, you experience anxiety. And most treatments only address symptoms. This is one of my biggest complaints with like the traditional therapy world, um, pharmaceutical world, is when we put Band-Aids on things to just treat our symptoms. And it's these temporary fixes, but we're not getting to the root cause. Because when you address the root cause, that's what's going to actually free you from experiencing those anxious, anxious feelings constantly and from overthinking constantly. Because there's a reason. If you're here because you're like, I overthink, this is something I deal with in my life, I guarantee there is a reason at some point, probably in your childhood, little you developed this pattern of overthinking, which is leading to the experience of anxiety, to keep yourself safe. Because that's what we do when we're little. We want safety. We want security. We want to be loved. And so we do what we have to do to maintain a sense of safety, even if it's not truly a sense of safety. If it just feels like it, we do what we have to do. And for a lot of kids, they develop this overthinking because it helps them determine whether or not their environment is safe and stable. So if dad is really volatile when he drinks, it was probably good when you were a little kid to be able to read the room and know what was going on and really think about, well, what should I say or what should I not say? Or if mom, you know, kind of withdrew and didn't spend as much time with you, but you found that, well, if I like, you know, really present, and I really try to meet all of her needs and I try to figure out exactly what she wants. I get a little more love. Again, you develop these patterns when you're little and 
you'll start to live them out in your adult life until you become aware of them. And then we break them. We treat the root cause. And that's what helps with getting rid of the anxiety. Recovering as an overthinker. You might have guessed it, but I, <laughs> I am a recovering overthinker. Most of the things I talk about are things that I have struggled with in my own life. So a couple of things that I've learned from living the majority of my 20s as a true overthinker is if you live in your head, you will experience anxiety. And the reason for that is when we live in our head and we're always overthinking everything, again, we're either in the past and we're ruminating on, you know, what ifs and should ofs, or we're in the present and we're worrying about like, well, or sorry, not the present, <laughs> the future. And we're worrying about like what's going to happen, right? We're anxious about what could happen. So you're either in the past or you're in the future when you're living in your head. And that's why you experience anxiety. The only way out of that is again, to deal with those root causes of why we have this pattern of overthinking and then learn to be in the present moment. The second thing I learned is that your thoughts will trick you and your feelings can be fickle. So your feelings are valid, right? Like your experience is valid. Your, you know, it's, it's coming up for you. It's very true for you, but they also change and thoughts do the same thing. Just like your feelings can be fickle, your thoughts can trick you because sometimes we can go down the rabbit hole. And we can start thinking about something and we can start putting together and conjuring up this kind of scenario in our head that has no grounding in reality. And I know since I was a little kid, I felt I've had a very vivid imagination and that can be a lot of fun. I have a lot of ideas and I was, you know, creative, but it can also cause kind of a mess when you let that, you know, imagination run amok, when you let it run away with you, when you start to create scenarios in your head that aren't really there, right? Right? They're not in reality. The other thing I learned is that peace is an inside job and you can spend a long time, and I did, searching for that sense of peace and searching for that sense of comfort. And when you live in your head, it's easy to put your peace in some sort of almost like faraway land. <laughs> like, like my peace is in never, never land. Once I get there, I will feel peace. Once I get this, I will feel peace. And you can keep pushing your peace off and thinking that, you know, once my circumstances change, I will feel peace. But that's not the way it works, right? Peace is an inside job. When I work with people, I like to talk about, you know, having an internal versus an external locus of control. So if you live your life with an external locus of control, I want you to picture a cookie sheet. That is the world. And you're a marble on top of the cookie sheet. And Anytime anything happens outside of you and it moves the cookie sheet, you're just going everywhere. You're rolling around, you're affected, you're pulled around by all of it. So you're affected, you're pulled around by all of it. That's an external locus of control. Everything outside of you is affecting what's going on inside of you. Now, if you were to take that same cookie sheet and put that marble inside a cup of just like, you know, that little orange jello, just put the marble in the jello and glue the jello to the cookie sheet. Now, when life moves around, the marble's just kind of in its little padded, happy container of jello. That is what it's like to have an internal locus of control. That is where peace is an inside job. And you realize that, oh, I can 
experience these things regardless of the outside circumstances. The next thing I learned is that communication is vital, especially if you're someone who lives in your head, because a lot is happening for you internally that is not being expressed externally. So one way I notice this just coming up every day for me is I will often, um, I'll just kind of say something to my partner and realize he has no context to what I just said. And the reason he has no context is because I had the whole conversation in my head. Like I was thinking through, you know, kind of what I was about to talk about. And then all of a sudden I say out loud something and you should have put that on a slide. Sorry, I just <laughs> glanced at the chat. Um, coming back. So I'll say something out loud and then I'm like, what, what you, you didn't get that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't give you any context. Right. And we, we can do that a lot when we are someone who lives in our head and we're overthinking things is again, our internal world is very rich. There's a lot going on, but because we're not expressing it, other people don't get it. They don't understand it. And this can really cause conflict and friction in relationships because a lot of times you may be thinking a lot about what you want and a lot about what you need, but you're not sharing it and you're not asking for it. And then we get upset at our partners, our friends, our parents, whoever, because it's like, you're not meeting my needs. But if you're being honest with yourself, you haven't even told them what those needs are. And then we fall into this kind of bucket of having these unverbalized expectations of the people around us. And again, if someone doesn't know where the target is, like they can't hit it. So learning to communicate is vital. One of the tools I really love, it's good for everyone, but especially if you're an overthinker, is um, Terry Real or Terrence Real came up with the feedback loop. So when something comes up and it's something that could cause some friction, some conflict, or just something you need that you're having a hard time asking for, you use the feedback loop. And it starts off by stating what happened. So it could be, you know, a situation between you and your partner. You share the facts of what happened. The next thing you share is how you felt about it. So, you know, I'm pissed off. I'm sad. I'm jealous. And then you share the story you made up in your head. And you say that verbatim. The story I made up in my head was, and that's where you share the mess. You share all the overthinking, the ruminating, the anxiety. You share all of that but you've already told them that this is my story. Like I am very aware that I have a big imagination and I have some feelings going on and this is the story I made up in my head. And then the last piece is to tell them what you need to move forward, right? What do you need to, you know, get over whatever just happened in the relationship to heal the rupture? But the reason I love the feedback loop, especially if you overthink, is you get that portion, again, to share the story, to share the mess, to share all the thoughts that you've kind of been spinning and get them out. And then the last thing I'm going to share that I have learned as a recovering overthinker is that stillness is non-negotiable. And it can be very difficult <laughs> at first, especially when your mind is always running. So what does stillness look like? This could be meditation. If you work with me, you know, I really push, I push the meditation. Um, this could be having a calming breathwork practice. This could be a slow yin yoga practice. This could be a walk in nature by yourself without your phone, no podcast, you know, not listening to anything. Um, personally, I really like the meditation. 
but it's important to cultivate a stillness practice of some kind in your life. Because if your brain's always doing this, you just need to create some space for it to still. You need to create some space where you're not stimulating yourself with, you know, whether you're on your computer, on your phone, having a conversation with someone. And it was during um, the pandemic for me when everything was shut down, couldn't go to the gym, that I realized I needed more stillness in my life because the onset of all of a sudden having all this space for stillness was driving me crazy. Because even when I would, you know, go to the gym, I have my headphones in, I would go for a walk, I would be on the phone with someone, which those things are great. And I still, I love listening to a book or a podcast while I'm at the gym. I'm not going to give that up, but I'm going to create other stillness practices. Because if it's uncomfortable for you to sit in the quiet, that is a sign that you need to sit in the quiet. Because your brain can't calm down. Your brain can't rest if you don't create space for it to do so. I love The Office. If you know me, you know. Um, so there you go. My little my little meme I added to. We're going to go through a couple of practices. I think I have five on the slides that you can start to use to, again, create a stillness practice for yourself and to calm your mind. So the first one is very simple. It's a shoulder drop. Uh, you can sit or stand comfortably. If you're somewhere where you can do this, feel free to follow along. Long spine. Deep inhale as you lift your shoulders up to your ears, and then you're going to exhale and just release them down. So it's a, and it's helping you get back into your body. Again, we're doing some slow breaths, and we're also just taking a second to get back in our physical body and release a little tension. Most of these are somatic exercises we're going to go through. Um, I like to use this when I've been working on the computer for a long time or I've just been running around and I am not ready to just like sit still and meditate, but I need a second to kind of like come back down and start to notice my physical body. Another thing that I like to do after a couple of shoulder drops is just place your hands on your chest and just take a second and just check in with you and do a little body scan. Notice like, where am I holding some tension? Was it my shoulders? Is it my jaw? Just check in with your body. The next one, somatic self-hug. I love this. This is my go-to when I'm feeling overwhelmed, um, having those anxious feelings, or I'm upset. Stand, sit comfortably with your arms by your sides. Take a deep breath in and wrap your arms around your body and literally hug yourself. Um, <laughs> I, I had a client do this and at first they were kind of like, I'm going to give myself a hug that feels a little childish, but then they tried it. They were like, oh, this is soothing. You know, you can do the one hand too, if that feels better. Um, but I recommend giving yourself a hug. It's also a nice little stretch with <laughs> the back of your shoulders. Take a couple of slow, deep breaths. And for me, depending on what's going on that day that I kind of felt the need to like check in and give myself some support, I will say a mantra that has to do with that. So something like, I am safe. You know, it can be as simple as that. Like, I am safe. Or it's going to be okay. Just reassuring yourself. The next practice that I really enjoy that is great when you are ruminating, overthinking, having those anxious feelings 
is coffee orienting, or in my case, tea orienting. And this is a great practice to do, honestly, every morning if you are a morning coffee person or tea, um, or just a check-in throughout the day or whenever you're feeling anxious. So if you have a coffee mug, feel free to follow along, but hold your mug. And the first thing I want you to do is using your sight, just observe the mug. And you can notice it for yourself or even say aloud, like for me, oh, I see that there are flowers on this mug. It's kind of a seafoam color with green and it's almost full. And then you go with the feel. So again, it's almost full. So I feel the weight. Um, I notice that the pattern is raised and you would be saying all of this out loud as you do this exercise. And then next, the smell. For me, I'm having jasmine tea and I can smell the jasmine flowers and then taste. And then you notice like, what does it taste like? Again, for me, I'm having jasmine tea. It tastes like jasmine flowers and some green tea. And what that helps you do is you go from doing all of the things to doing one thing at a time. So when I was working in adolescent therapy, I would oftentimes have kids that would come in in um, crisis, essentially, like they were really escalated. And to de-escalate them, I would give them, this is my phone, but normally like a squishy toy of some kind. I had a lot of little knickknacks in my office. And I would just have them hold it in their hand and be like, what do you notice about this? Like, what, what do you notice? And, you know, sometimes they'd come in and you really be white knuckling it because they're feeling really escalated and their nervous system was in like fight and flight. But they'd start to like calm down because they would have to do one thing. I'd be like, what does it look like? Can you tell me what it looks like? What, what does it feel like? You know, and I'd be like, what does it feel like in your hands? And as they started to focus and get really micro, they were able to deescalate. Um, this is why, like, you know, for some people like opening a pack of gum slowly, um, apart from obviously the addictive properties, but one reason they found that like cigarettes are calming to people, not just the substance in it, honestly, um, but please don't smoke if you smoke, please stop. But it was using the fine motor skills to like open it up and light it. And it was the ritual. So if you are a smoker coffee orienting instead. Um, it's a great practice to do in the morning. Somatically experiencing anxiety. Okay. This is for those moments when you're really feeling the overwhelm. I did a podcast, a, I guess it was probably a few months ago now on how I was using this because I had a situation where I got really upset about something. Well, someone got upset with me and I was upset because of it. And I was just feeling jittery all day, like the whole next day. I didn't sleep all that night. My chest was just like tight. And I just felt that like kind of flutter inside of you. And so this is the exercise I used to calm myself down, to regulate, and it works. So set a timer for five minutes. Um, you don't have to set a timer if you're good at giving yourself space. I know for me, sometimes I will think that I have sat still for a long time and it's only been a minute. So you can set a timer if you want to. And just sit quietly, close your eyes, take a few breaths, and just start to notice sensations you feel in your body. Maybe it's heaviness, maybe it's tightness. Our nervous system talks to us in sensation. So maybe it's a pit in my stomach or tightness in my shoulders or like a block in my throat. And say out loud, I feel blank in my blank. 
So I feel tightness and I feel it in my throat or I feel jitters and I feel jitters in my stomach. And just continue to do this for however long you sit. If you set the timer, you just do this on your own time. Continue to do this and notice if as you're naming what you're feeling, the sensation and where it is, if it starts to move, just notice. And if an emotion comes up, then you can add that in as well. So if it's, well, I feel anxious. I feel anxious and I feel it in my stomach. I feel anxious and I feel it in my stomach. And as you're doing this, you might notice, this is what happens for me, it starts to go a little bit deeper. Sometimes that feeling of like, I feel frustration. If I dig a little deeper, it's like, I feel guilt. I feel guilt and I feel it in my stomach or I feel it wherever it is for you. So I love this exercise. I use it whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm experiencing feelings of anxiety and it really truly works for me. So before I change the page, you can always watch the replay, but if you want to screenshot this one, because I think it's a great one to save, feel free to do that. And then the last one we're going to go over, if you're someone who's like, I'm having a hard time getting into my body, give me something different, a writing brain dump. So this can be helpful to be part of like a morning practice before bed, or honestly, like any of these, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed. So you just start writing blank sheet of paper. I highly recommend an actual pen or pencil and paper, not doing this digitally. And whatever comes up, you write down. It might start with your grocery list. It might start with a letter to someone. It might start with this day sucks. Whatever it is for you, just start writing continuously for at least 10 minutes or longer. If you want to, you can reflect on your writing afterwards or you can throw it away, burn it. <laughs> it's safe to do so. But the point of this is to take all the thoughts and mess in our head and physically get it out onto paper. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, you're stuck in indecision, you're ruminating on something, write about whatever it is. Get it out of your body or out, yeah, out of your head, out of your body onto paper. Because even if you don't go through it, even if you don't read it back and organize it, just the process of allowing yourself to, again, it's somatic, like with your body, move some of these thoughts out of your head is going to help. Good. So I hope this was educational. That was my intention. And I hope you'll walk away with a couple of tools to use. Um, I recently was talking to two different girlfriends and both of them had expressed to me that they had gone to see practitioners and they'd asked for tools. They're like, I'm dealing with this. I want some tools to deal with it. And in both of these occasions, the practitioners wanted to push them towards medication. Now, I'm not anti-medication by any means. I do think sometimes medication can be used to clog the hole in the boat while you use therapy and other tools and coaching to get the water out. But I don't think it's the first stop to go to, right? I think that there are so many things that you can do, especially dealing with that root cause on like, why are you feeling anxious in the first place? Why do you have a pattern of overthinking in the first place? before you go down that route. So if you're interested in that, you're interested in another path, looking at another way of doing things, I'll tell you a little bit about what working with me is like. So when I work with overthinkers or people who are really sitting with a lot of anxious feelings and they wanna get away from that, we really focus on breaking free from destructive 
pattern. So moving beyond overthinking and how to silence, silence that mind monster inside of you, that inner critic who's just, you know, constantly jabbering and create authentic connections. So you can embrace gratitude and become more emotionally available because one kind of side effect of overthinking and living in your head is you can tend to be pretty emotionally unavailable to the people in your life. Because again, you're in the past or you're in the future. You're not in the present moment. And then the other thing that I do when I work with people is I help them master confident communication. So you can express your needs with love and confidence. And it's about getting out of your head and speaking from your heart with that and being able to, again, share like, this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I need in a relationship or in life, my career, whatever it is, and not be stuck in indecision or overthink how you say it. So if you're interested in hearing more about what it's like to work with me, it's a three-month journey, 12 one-on-one sessions, and you get daily support, weekly check-ins for continuous growth. This is not like your typical therapy session where we talk once a week and that's it. I'm going to be in your pocket. The goal at the end of the three months is that you have moved beyond me and you don't need me anymore. If you're interested in hearing more about that, please shoot me an email, lily at lilyrachels.com. It's right here. You can also go to growthovereasy.com and just book a virtual coffee with me if you would rather do it that way. Um, And we can chat. We'll chat about where you're at, see if I could be of help to you. And if anything, I can give you a couple more tools to put in your toolkit for calming your mind and finding some peace. So thank you so much for listening. 